Well, hello, I'm Dr. Shante Haynes with Heart to Heart Truth Ministries, and it is my pleasure to bring you encouraging messages in a bottle every single Sunday morning, and I'm excited about this word. Actually, it's a throwback today. Yes, the first one that we're going to do, I'm going to do two throwbacks as we're starting this gifted series before I jump into some major details for you. But here's what I want you to know. This one's called Pressing Toward Excellence. And we have to have an excellent spirit. We have to go in knowing that we're going to give our absolute best. Now, this is an older one and you don't get to see me in it, but listen closely. It will bless you. That I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Paul explains in verse 13, it says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark or I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Bow with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. We say thank you for all that you've already done. We say bless you for your word that is already going to heal us and change us and deliver us and do all the things that you promised that it would do. You said that it would not return void. So right now, God, we count our deliverance. We came for a deliverance. Right now, God, we came for you to change us and rearrange us. You said that we should be renewed in our minds, Father. So right now, we ask that you do just that. We ask for your power and your anointing, God. We need to feel your presence yet again, even in the midst of this word, God. We thank you for what you're going to do right now, God. We claim it. We claim it. We ask all these blessings and all these changes in your son Jesus' name. Amen. You may have your seat. Paul writes this letter to the Philippian church after having many successes there. There were many converts there. If you look in Acts the 16th chapter, you'll find that so much happened in Philippi. But he writes back to them now from prison, and he's trying to encourage them to be joyful. He says, be joyful even in the midst of your circumstances. I'm in prison right now, and I still have joy, and I want to encourage you. Anybody know that circumstances can cause us to lose our joy? We can get depressed. Things can happen. They mess us up, and we are no longer happy about where we are or who we are. And sometimes people can rob us of our joy because we allow them to get in where they shouldn't be. We allow them to take us back to our past and remind us of when, from whence we've come, and we could lose our joy. But Paul says, I'm writing this letter because I need you to understand that you need to have a single mind, you need to have a submissive mind, you need to have a spiritual mind, and then you can have a secure mind. See, we want to jump to chapter number four and say that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, is going to guard or keep our hearts and mind. But he starts out in chapter number one, he says, you need to have a secure mind. He says that, you know what? Whatever I do, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. My focus is on who Christ is and what he's done for me. I have to have a single focus. And then he continues and he says, no, you also have to have a submissive mind. In Philippians chapter number two, he says, you know, the mind that is in Christ needs to also be in you. You need to start thinking about yourself and stop, start thinking about others. And then right where we are today, he's talking about a spiritual mind. 
and he identifies for us. He says, I have not yet attained. I'm forgetting what is in my past, and I'm pressing toward the future, but I have not yet attained. My mind is not on earthly things. My mind is on heavenly things and what God has for me. And so as we look at this today, at these three verses, a small passage, but it has a lot of weight. My purpose, my objective is to encourage you to excel. My purpose is to give you some of the vital principles to live a victorious life. And I don't know if anybody here wants to live a victorious life. I'm planning on hearing him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to make sure that when I get there, he knows I did all that I could and I didn't slack any way, shape, or form. And so today I came by to stir you up. I came by to get you to press toward excellence. That's the title of the message, pressing toward excellence. But in order for us to press toward excellence, there's at least three things that we have to have. One, we have to have a divine dissatisfaction. That means complacency is not the name of the game any longer. We've got to examine ourselves, and I challenge you today to take an inward look, not an outward look at others, but an inward look on what God is saying to you. But secondly, we need to discard some things in our past. We need to disengage them. We need to disentangle them. We need to allow them to be loosed from us so that we can move forward. Some things keep us stagnated, keep us with semen on our feet, and don't allow us to move forward toward the goals and the plans that God has for us. We need to discard our past. And then finally, we need to be determined to push toward excellence. Pressing toward excellence. First of all, we need to have that divine dissatisfaction. What do I mean? Paul says in the 13th verse, he says, I count not myself to have apprehended. Count simply says that he has reckoned, he's examined, he's taken account of what was going on. He's weighed all the possibilities with reason, and he's come to this conclusion that he has not yet apprehended. Apprehended means that he has not yet attained. He has not seized it. He has not grasped it completely. And it's in the perfect tense, meaning it's something that was done in the past and no longer has to be done again in the future once and for all. You remember Jesus on the cross when he says, it is finished. It was already done. It is completed. It's the same tense there. And Jesus sits down at the right hand of God the Father, but we can't sit because we're not done. Paul says, I have not yet attained. I have not yet arrived. I'm not there. I'm not there. He says, I count not myself to have apprehended. Why? One, because we need to understand today, and you need to get a clear picture of this, that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. He has a divine destination for you to attain. He loves you that much. And he has decided what he wants you to do in life. And we have to be submissive to the will of God in order to get there. Some of us don't even think that there is a plan for us, that God doesn't have a road for us to go down. There's not a goal for us to reach. And because of that, we're not even moving toward getting there. We're complacent. We're satisfied just sitting and listening to the choir. The children said, holla 
anybody feeling me? Holla, anybody understand what I'm talking about? I'm not going to be bowed down because of problems or headaches and heartaches any longer. I'm going to reach forward. I'm going to be joyful in everything because I know God has a plan for me. I know everything is going to work together for my good. I know I've got a place that I need to get to. And sometimes we can just sit and not serve because we don't understand that he's got a plan for us. We need to learn to dream. We need to allow God to speak to us and tell us what he wants us to do and not box him in and say, oh, no, that's not for me. That must be for somebody else. We get complacent thinking, I've already arrived. As long as I know that I'm going to heaven, I'm not going to work out my soul salvation with fear and trembling any longer. I'm satisfied knowing I'm going to scarcely make it in. But that's not what he designs for us. That's not what he wants for us. The book of Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, the first through the sixth verse, God tells Jeremiah, go to the potter's house. And I want you to see something in the everyday. I want you to pay attention that the potter is standing over the wheel. And on that wheel, there is a lump of clay. And he puts his hands on the clay. And yes, the clay is marred in the potter's hands. That means that it was destroyed. It was ruined. It was abused. It was injured. And it was unuseful for the intended purpose. But you got to get this. There was an intended purpose. He had a purpose in mind for you. And you can get there with his help. But the potter continues to work with the clay. He says, I'll make it over so that I can use it according to the way that I need it to be used. And he says the same thing about you. There is a plan for you. You've got to know that. Otherwise, you won't be dissatisfied where you are. But secondly, I told you that we need to look inward and not outward. Many times we get complacent because we're looking at somebody else and we're comparing ourselves to what they're not doing. You know, we like to look at the unbeliever and say, well, you know, they're not in church, so I'm doing God a favor by showing up. Oh, come on. Y'all know, you know, if we're comparing ourselves, we say we're doing all right. I'm okay. That's because I've lowered my standards. The Bible tells us in Matthew, the seventh chapter, that we ought to take the big plank out of our own eye before we try to take the speck out of somebody else's. Stop looking to other people and comparing yourself to where they are or what they're not doing. Or we might even say, you know, at least we're not like the CMEs. You know, we only come on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. No, I come more regularly than that. So I'm doing all right. I might be sitting, but I'm at least here. I come on Wednesday night for Bible study. I get some teaching. I might not be applying it. I might not be a doer of the word, but at least I'm hearing. That's because we're comparing ourselves to somebody else. We've got to understand that there's a plan for our life. God has this divine plan, but we also have to realize that we need to take an honest evaluation of self. The Bible tells us that our comparison, our example is Jesus Christ. Not the person sitting next to you, not the one on the street. And the only way we're going to be dissatisfied is if we look to him. Oh, hold up, before we even get there, let's just look at Paul. Paul says in the beginning of the third chapter of Philippians, he says, look, let me run down what I have done. And I'm going to tell you up front that the things that I have done, if it was not for God, it was dung. 
That's the Greek word skubalon. It means that it was waste or it was rubbish. It does not matter any longer. He goes, but let me list my accomplishments. And if you compare yourself to just Paul, he says, you know what? I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day. He says, guess what? I was one of the Pharisees, or I am one of the Pharisees. I'm in the upper echelon of the religiosity. I make the rules. We add burdens to the rules. We tell people when they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And guess what? I was zealous about everything that I did. Yes, I was persecuting Christians, but I did it with my whole heart. I went out of my way to make sure everybody that I thought was not a worthy or was not following what I thought they were supposed to follow. I crucified them. And then Paul also wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. When we compare ourselves to what he has already done, we have to recognize that we have not arrived at where God wants us to be. He did mission work. He went to different places. He had many converts. What have we done for the kingdom? Paul, as a comparison, we'd have to recognize the fact that we have not yet arrived. We're not there. Anybody with me that we're not there? We're not at the intended purpose that God has for us. I'm not there. No matter how good it might look to somebody else, I'm still not there. We need to understand that we have not yet arrived so that we get dissatisfied and we, we take off the cement that's on our shoes and we decide that we're gonna move toward excellence. I'm moving toward the goal, I'm moving toward what God has for me. He's got this beautiful plan and I know I can make it. Because the Bible says that he has, that has begun a good work, is able to perform it, he's able to complete it, he's able to bring it to an end. He has started a work in you. And he says that he is able to do it. We've got to submit to him. There's a story that's told of a violinist. He plays this wonderful performance. And at the end of the performance, all the people are standing on their feet, giving him an ovation. But his countenance is sad as he walks off the stage. And the stagehand looks at him and says, you know, I'm not understanding why you're so sad, why you're so sorrowful, why you look so dejected. The people are standing and they're applauding you. What's wrong? And he looks at him and he says, you see, the man sitting in the center, that's my father and that's my teacher. And if he is not pleased with what I do, it does not matter what accolades I get from anybody else. And you need to know that God wants to be pleased with what you're doing for, with your life. He's got a plan for you. And it does not matter how many people, other people applaud you. If he is not satisfied, you should be dissatisfied with your performance. We've got to move toward excellence. That's our theme for the year. We're pressing toward that goal. We said we wanted God to be pleased with us. Not only do we have to be dissatisfied with where we are in order to keep moving toward excellence, but secondly, we've got to discard our past. Somebody say amen. We've got to discard our past. We've got to leave those things which are behind, behind. Paul says that forgetting that which is behind, 
Forgetting doesn't mean that it's out of my mind. It means that it no longer has an influence over my life. It no longer can affect what I do in today. You know, we have people who are what we call excusiologists. They make excuses for stuff. The reason I am the way that I am, the reason I think the way that I think is because of mom and them. It's because of what I've grown up with. It's because of how people have treated me, how they've hurt me in the past. And because of all of that, I have a reason to be nasty. I have a reason to be bitter. I have a reason to put up a wall. No more. He says, you've got to forget that which is behind. You've got to leave it right there. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. Because we've got to let go of our failures. That's the first thing. Yes, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says if you say that you have not sinned, you are a liar and the truth ain't in you. We have failed. And let's be honest, there are some major things that we have failed at. We've had some actions that we have done, some behaviors that we have performed that have gotten us into a world of hurt. We're in a mess. And if you don't confront it, if you don't call it out, you'll think that this is just a vague message and it's not intended for you. So guess what? The addictions need to go. They're in the past. Leave them there. Some of us were addicted to drugs. Some of us were addicted to alcohol. Some of us are even addicted to love. And we do crazy things in order to get relief, in order to get escape, in order to get to the next day. Because we don't want to stay in the hurt and the heartache of what we have. There's a void that needs to be filled. The addiction was in the past. Leave it in the past. It no longer influences your life. Let it go. The lying. You know, to make yourself sound like you're better than you are, whether it was on a resume or face-to-face -face with somebody else. You know how you exaggerate. The lying needs to go. The cheating needs to go. Dishonest gain is not the order of the day. God says that I will bless you, but I bless you in the right way. Just because they gave you the extra money back doesn't mean it was your blessing. Just because you got away with it with the IRS doesn't mean it was your blessing. We've got to stop gossiping and stop doing all the behaviors and the actions that we know are wrong. The Bible tells us we need to put away some things. We need to cast off some things. We need to stop doing some things. And it's clear. No fornication, no adultery. It's clear. If it was in the past, leave it there. It's in the past. In the Old Testament, as a foreshadowing of what Jesus was going to do for us, the priest would let a scapegoat go out of the city. That scapegoat had the sins of the people upon him. And he ran out of the city to be seen no more. Your sins are just like that. They're on that scapegoat because Jesus was the lamb that was slaughtered for us. And he came in order to take away all of our sins. There might be those people who will run after that particular goat to go find them and bring them back to you, but tell them I let it go. It's under the blood. I no longer have that issue anymore. You're seeing me the old way, but I'm a new creature in Christ today. Amen? I'm letting it go. You don't sound like you're ready, let it, ready to let it go. Not only do you need to let go of your failures, but you also need to let go of some of the emotions that you have that cause you to process the way you process today. The Dozier phrase, 
emotional toxicosis. Y'all thought y'all were going to get away from it, right? No, it's still here. You've got to let go of the emotions that were destructive to you in the past. Guess what? The insecurity needs to go. God says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He says you don't need to be jealous of what anybody else has because I can bless you where you are. I know what gifts I placed on the inside of you. You don't need to compare yourself to anybody else. You don't need to be envious of anybody else. And many times all of those come because somebody hurt us. We're holding other people accountable to somebody that's long gone. The hurt was real. The hurt was real. And it affects us not only then, but it continues to affect us now unless we let it go. God says, I want to heal you from your hurt. Because he's that kind of a loving God. Hurting people continue to hurt other people. And it's time to stop. If we're going to get to an excellent point, if we're going to get to where God wants us to be, we've got to allow him to heal us. And today might be your day for your healing. Don't let it slip by. You've got to be willing to let it go. You've got to acknowledge the fact that he did it. She did it. They did it. They said it. They told me what I couldn't do. They talked about the way I look. They talked about the color of my skin. They talked about my hair. They talked about me, and it hurt. I feel lonely, and it hurts. So what do I do? I build up a wall so that I can't have true fellowship or true relationship with anybody else, and I run them off. I run them off with my bitterness. I run them off with my insecurity. I run them off. But I've got to recognize the fact that the emotional problems of my past, I've got to let go. Anybody ready to let it go? We've got to lose some of this weight that so easily besets us. We've got to get it off of us or we can't get to where we need to be. We've got to let it go. And guess what? I'm not going to leave you out. You say, okay, I've let go of my stuff in the past. I've let go of the emotions, and I'm no longer tied to that. I'm no longer affected by that. But guess what? We got to let go of some attitudes. The judgmental attitudes must stop. Causing dissension and strife must cease. He says you cannot have a mediocre attitude. Mediocre meaning that you want to just do enough to get by. You're not going to reach toward excellence as half-stepping is the name of the game. It's time to say, ain't no half-stepping. I'm doing everything as unto the Lord. I'm doing the best that I can. I'm moving toward, I'm going to prepare. I'm going to pray. I'm going to make sure that I'm ready to get there. God, if you want to use me, use me. I'm not going to be mediocre anymore. I'm not going to say, oh, well, you know, I just didn't have it today, next week. No, I'm going to be punctual. Hello, I'm going to get there on time because I'm going to give my best effort for the entire time that we practice. Not just show up on Sunday morning, but I'm going to do it each and every time. That attitude needs to go. The negative attitude that says, you know, there's always something wrong with whatever's going on. The program can be wonderful, but girl, did you know what happened? 
Do you know what was happening behind the scene? I'm pessimistic because I see the glasses half empty instead of half full. I want to murmur and complain. Keep doing it and you'll be like the Israelites going around the same old mountain year after year after year instead of taking your seven-day journey to the promised land. It's time to let some stuff go. It's time to let it go. I can't help you let it go. You've got to acknowledge it. You've got to realize it. And you've got to understand that all that's there, God does not want it there. And it's holding you down where you are. If you're going to press toward excellence, you must let it go. I can't let it go for you. You've got to take that inward look and be honest about what's going on in your life and what has happened in your life and let it go. Release it. I used to be a travel agent, and there were some friends of mine that I booked tickets for, and one of them happened to go to Italy during the Christmas season. And you know New Year's, how we make resolutions. We say we're going to be better than we were the year before. We're going to do some, some things a little bit differently. Well, they have this custom in Italy that at the stroke of midnight, Everybody in the house has the opportunity to throw something out of the window that was hurtful or harmful to them. Just imagine, nice and quiet on the streets, but as 12 o'clock approaches, every window on every corner opens up, and from the youngest to the oldest, things are starting to be thrown out of the window. They're letting it go. We need to do the exact same thing. I hear it's about 12 o'clock midnight, somebody. It's time to let it go. Let go those attitudes. Let go that hang up. Throw out the furniture if you have to. Throw out the people if you have to. Whatever you need to do, it's time to let it go. Let it out. Declare that right now I am who God says that I am. I'm too joyful to be jealous. I'm too meek to be messy. No longer am I going to do all of that stuff. I'm too holy to be hateful. I'm not going to allow it to continue to work in my life. I'm too submissive to be, to be rebellious against you. I'm too merciful to be apathetic. I know that God has called me to be more than that. Decide right now you're letting it go and that's not who you are. Let it go. He says, one, in these few little verses, Paul says, I'm not where I need to be. I got to let some things go. But then thirdly, he says, I press. I've got to continue to move forward. I've got to continue to try to get to where I need to be. I'm looking for the goal. The goal is in mind. He says, I've got a determination to continue to push. And we need to have that same determination to push. When I used to run track, we had some rules that we followed. My dad was a track coach, and I picked up a lot of that from him. But one of the things he told us is that you've got to not run heavy. That means we've got to let some things go. Amen? Every weight and every sin that so easily besets us, we've got to let it go. Because it will hold you down for where you are. But secondly, he says, don't look behind you. The past is in the past. It's over. God liberates us from our past. 
And if you have not yet been liberated, 1 John 1 and 9 says that if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just, just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Claim it. He stands behind his word. You got to let it go. You can't look behind you. You must keep moving forward. But thirdly, he says, you know what? Don't focus on your position in the race. Focus on the goal. If I'm going to be determined to push toward excellence, to reach toward where I'm supposed to be, I can't look at what other people are doing. I've got to stay in my lane. Not sit in my lane, but stay in my lane. Because, see, sometimes we're complacent and we don't move forward and get the excellent thing that we're supposed to have because we're looking at somebody else and we say, you know what, we're not called to the five-fold ministry, so I'm just going to sit. No. It does not matter whether you're called to the five-fold ministry or not. The Bible tells us there are spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. He says there are motivational gifts, the book of Romans chapter number 12. He says, and then there are the ministerial gifts. That's the five-fold ministry in Ephesians chapter number 4. We get so caught up in Ephesians chapter 4, we forget about the other gifts that God gives. And they're all gifts. He says, whatever you have been given it's a gift from God, and it's for the entire body to use. It's supposed to profit all. Don't sit on your gift. Who told you you could sit down? Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, but who told you you could sit on your gift? Somebody needs that gift. Somebody is depending on you to bring them through with that gift. We need each other. Don't sit, start serving. Stay in your lane, but don't be focused on what somebody else is doing. We want to get that gold-plated placard here on earth, but it's only temporary. What matters and what counts is what God says about us and where he wants us to be. So keep running your race. Press on. The Bible says that Jesus is the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. We need to press on. We need to keep moving until you have endured the cross. And yes, there are some things we have to crucify, some things we have to mortify, some things that need to be off of us that we're going to suffer. But he said that he endured the cross unto the cross. He was obedient to the end. Nevertheless, attitude. We need to be determined to keep moving forward. Not looking behind, but moving forward. The goal is where God has designed for us to be. And that's what he wants. If I'm going to be determined, I got to be dissatisfied with where I am. I've got to let some of the things go in the past. I've got to focus on my position, not on my position, according to somebody else, but I've got to focus on where the goal is, looking to what God wants me to do in life. And then finally, one of the rules was that you sprint. You always sprint at the end. You always run forward. You always do your best. And, you know, it's an imagery of the athlete. You know how the athlete leans in as they get to the finish line. You know, they want to just shave off a few more seconds. They're not looking at anybody else because that takes away the seconds. But they're leaning forward like I'm trying to get to where I need to be. Paul says, I press. I reach, I stretch out, I press, 
I'm running swiftly toward the goal. I know there is a goal, God, and I know you want me to get there, Father, and I know I can get there with your help, so I'm going to run toward it. I'm not going to be afraid of what used to happen or what somebody else says. You're giving me dreams, and you said you would give me the desires of my heart, and I know the desires are going to be those that you have placed on the inside of me. No matter how big they may be, you can make it. He says, I'm going to press. I'm going to move forward to that end. Why? Because the Bible says that I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has entered in the heart of man the things that God has planned for you. It hasn't. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask him or think. And he says, you can get there because I've begun the work. I'm going to get you to that end. Nothing is impossible with God. I'm going to live a victorious life. I don't know about you, but I want my crown. I want to get there. I want to live a victorious life. I want to have joy in the midst of my circumstances, joy in the midst of the people. I'm not going to have a nasty attitude. I'm going to move forward. I want what God has for me because the truth be told, my true position is seated in heavenly places. I'm a co-laborer with Christ. I'm a joint heir with him. And I want to get all that he has for me. And we have to have a holy determination to get there. We've got to push. Excellence is the goal. Excellence is the key. Not mediocrity. I'm pressing. I'm pushing. I'm running swiftly toward. I'm trying to get there because God has a wonderful design for me. And whatever I do, I want to bring him glory because that's what Christ did. Everything that he did brought him glory. I want to get there. I want to get there. Do you want to get there? Anybody ready to move toward excellence to not be stuck on stupid any longer, not be stuck in your stinking thinking any longer, ready to continue to move forward to what God has for you? Anybody out there know that my God is a God that's able? Anybody know that he's got great plans for you? Anybody understand that if you would just step out on him, step out on faith, knowing that he's going to be able to do it and complete it, that you'll get there in the end. It's time for us to not be so satisfied with where we are and continue to move on. You want your breakthrough, it's available. But if you're not in the family, if you're not even in the race, none of that applies. My first appeal is that if you know you're not born again, if you know heaven is not going to be your home, if you know that you have not accepted Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. It's time to get it right today. At least get in the race. You can't win the race by watching tapes. You can't win it by reading books or even cheering somebody else on. You've got to get in the game. So if you don't know Christ, I offer you that opportunity. He stands waiting to heal you of your broken heart. He stands waiting to say, yes, I've died for you, and I rose again from the dead. And all you have to do is believe just that. Believe him as Savior, and then believe him as Lord. You're going to follow him. You want to get to where he's been. He says, you know, he's the author and the finisher or the perfecter. That means that I've come to complete conformity. 
I look like Christ. And until I get there, I haven't yet arrived. But when you get on the right road, he says, I'll meet you where you are. But today is your opportunity to make heaven your home. Become a citizen. Get on the team. Be known as a child of the most high. This is your opportunity. If you don't know Christ, I offer him to you now as Savior and as Lord. The Bible says all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you will be saved. Simple. Accept him. My second appeal is for those of us who are believers and as you listen to the message and you recognize that God, through the Apostle Paul, was reminding us that we need to press toward excellence. But somewhere along the way, in your past or even in your thinking process of what God has planned for you in the future, you realize that you're hurt. You realize that you've been hurt and you need help to get over it because you really do want to let it go. If that's you. You can find us online at ShantaeHaynes.com. That's C-H-O-N-T-A-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com. We are a division of Heart to Heart Truth Ministries and Heart to Heart Truth Foundation. Donations are welcome at ShantaeHaynes.com backslash foundation. At Heart to Heart Truth Ministries, we're helping believers live an abundant life based on God's word, standing on his promises, walking out his principles, sharing with God's people, serving as unto the Lord.